Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Creating accessible digital experiences enables brands to create a more equitable, inclusive world. But doing accessibility well can provide challenges. And unfortunately, many organizations treat accessibility as an afterthought, which makes updates and innovations move slowly and ultimately making digital accessibility harder than it needs to be. But there's a solution to this, and it involves Agile. Today, we're going to talk about Agile accessibility. And to help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Corb O'Connor, Director of Accessibility Advocacy at Level Access. Corb, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. Uh, Why don't we get started with you giving a little background on yourself and a little bit about what Level Access does. Sure. So my pronouns are he, him, and his, uh, and I live in Minneapolis. You know, I taught myself web design and development starting in the late 90s, trained as a journalist, worked in business-to-business communications for a while, started up U.S. Bank's accessibility initiatives, and and then worked in QA for a while. So I've kind of gotten this gambit all the way through the software development lifecycle, but never could have really predicted what that meant. And certainly in 96, we didn't know about Agile, and we didn't know a ton about the development lifecycle as a name either. But here at Level Access, you know, my... Our work is to help organizations move the needle on accessibility and really help them to be self-sufficient when it comes to their process and their means of making sure that their apps, websites, kiosks, everything they build is usable by everyone, whether or not those folks have disabilities. Yeah, that's great. So as I mentioned in the introduction, instead of thinking about accessibility as an afterthought, Um, Using Agile principles and approaches to accessibility holds a lot of promise. Uh, So let's explore a few things here. First, to make sure we're all on the same page regarding definitions, uh, how would you define digital accessibility? What are some of the things that brands need to be considering here? Yeah, so a lot of times when we think about accessibility, the first thing that people think about is the Americans with Disabilities Act. And when it was passed in in 1990, when it was amended in uh, 2008, there wasn't much thought given to how the websites would apply into the ADA. But nonetheless, since then, we have had the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. And these are broken down into four key principles that really underpin accessibility. So they ask, in a sense, is your website perceivable, operable, understandable, and robust? So perceivable is for those that, you know, if there are multiple ways that I can perceive it? Can I see it? Can I hear it? Can I interact with it um, in different ways? Um, Operable, right? We're used to saying 
like, yeah, I can use it. I use my mouse to navigate it or I use my fingers on a, on a touch screen. But what about someone who just uses a keyboard? Understandable is about the content, right? How is it that we're making sure that this is not just a giant block of text and that we're thinking about somebody with a, a learning disability or intellectual disability? And then robust is looking at all the different technologies that people are going to use. So in essence, when we build a website, we should make sure that it's perceivable, operable, understandable, and robust, regardless of the technology that someone's going to use to access it. God. More broadly, though, I think accessibility is really at this intersection of, of four business demands that we're seeing in the marketplace today. So there's the ADA, uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. There's the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act in Canada and many other laws around the world. But second business demand we see involved here is this commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, or environment and social governance, that brands want to provide an excellent user experience, and that there's this heightened consumer awareness about accessibility. So all four of these are, you know, think of it as a, as a traffic jam. And in the middle of all of those is accessibility, has an impact in every one of those ways. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the regulations, you know, this isn't, this isn't just a nice to have there, there have been lawsuits regarding lack of compliance with, you know, here in the States, the, the, the ADA. And I, you know, I think to add to the confusion, you know, the section 508 applies to government agencies. That's actually, that's, that's part of the rehabilitation act, not the ADA and the ADA applies more to like private companies or, or things like that. So there's, there's a lot of, and then you've got the EU, you've got Canada, you know, all, all of these other regulations. So it's, you know, it's similar for those familiar with things like GDPR re regarding consumer data privacy, or even some of the new AI regulations. It's, it's, it's sometimes a little hard to navigate the, the specifics, but at the same time, as you were saying, you know, it's, there's regulations. There's also a commitment to to DEI across organizations. So you know, this isn't just something that, again, is is a nice to have. It's something that that brands are taking seriously and uh, and yet need to take more seriously in, in many regards. What's the where where do you think or where would you say that brands are, are still kind of lagging when it comes to accessibility? Well, I think the first one is that a lot of them just get stuck in what you've described of all of these regulations coming together, all these laws that just seem so overwhelming and complex. And really, the good news is that almost all of these regulations are pointing to the same set of guidelines, the web content accessibility guidelines that yeah. by no means are, are exhaustive or perfect, but they at least are all pointing to that same standard. Uh, you know, but I think where they brands are lagging behind, in addition to just that well, throw our hands up in the air and say, I don't know what to do. It's impossible. I'm just going to step back. Is that some of them will say, okay, we'll, we'll put a statement up on our website. We'll say, hey, we're committed to making our site fully accessible. Uh, but they stop there. And so they don't really have a plan for what are you going to do when a customer comes to you and says, hey, I'm blind and I want to buy a house and I can't use your secure loan portal or I can't pay yeah. my mortgage because I can't lock into your website. And so then brands kind of get stuck at this, this next stage where they say, all right, you know what, it's it's hard and we have this demand. Let's just find a quick fix. Let's just put this one line of code solutions that are that are out there that are masquerading as 
uh, of solution to digital accessibility. And, and those tools often create barriers for people with disabilities themselves. So myself as a blind person encountering those on a website, two things that are problematic. One is that sometimes the site's less usable. And two, it's akin to saying, oh, we have a separate place for you people with disabilities to go. And that's not the intention of anyone, but that's the message that's being sent is that accessibility was too hard. And so we went for this quick, cheap fix, and we're not actually going to change our own ways of operating. Yeah. But the other yeah. two, I think, big areas where organizations really need to invest is in training and education, not just for their developers and not just for their designers, but for every single person. You know, I remember there was an organization I was working with that in the very early stages of creating a product, they had this idea that wouldn't it be uh, amazing if when you're typing in a dollar amount, you could just swipe your finger across it to, to erase. And that was baked in at the ideal level, well before we ever got to a design. Well, that training, had it been in place, would have told that product officer at the time, you know, that's a gesture and not everybody has that level of control over their, their fingers, screen reader users, not going to be operating that way. Um, and so that training can really come in and give people that empathetic understanding and the practical tools of how to do their job. And then the final piece is a lot of brands monitor how accessible are we, but it's just a scorecard and it's just an audit they do on a yearly basis. And it's a few hundred pages of results that at some point maybe we'll take care of at some point we'll give to a developer and, and maybe they'll take care of it. But Really, you know, our goal at Level Access is to say there's a better way and there's a more agile way that actually makes meaningful progress, not just to show uh, a dem demonstrable progress on your, your dashboards, but also that makes a real impact for people with disabilities. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. So that's that's a great segue to to what I really wanted to focus on today is this, this idea of, of agile accessibility. I mean, certainly... I'm a proponent of, of agile principles in, in general, but you know I, I find this really exciting because for all the reasons you, you mentioned, there's just there it can be daunting to to take steps in the right direction. Hopefully by now you know every organization has taken some steps, but it can be it can be daunting to take take more advanced steps in, in some regards. So an agile approach, can make a lot of sense, um, you know, particularly for those very large, very complex orgs that there, there's just a lot of moving pieces and, and they need to do it right. Level Access recently published a white paper on agile accessibility. Um, do you mind sharing, you touched on it briefly, but you know, what's, what's your definition of, of agile accessibility? Well, you know, the reason that agile is the industry standard way of working is, is just because it's so effective, as you said, and it's, and it's collaborative you know, where we're always learning together. And that's, I think, one of the biggest parts of this um, experience life cycle when we're building things together. Agile accessibility, you know, applies the same philosophy to the work of digital accessibility that we've gotten with Agile and Sprints. So it's encouraging teams to prioritize accessibility in that design, development, and delivery stages of a digital product. So, you know, whether it's a website, a mobile app, a platform, we're continuously and in every way working on accessibility. And, you know, we're we're failing quickly, right? That's one of the biggest principles of accessibility and of Agile is that it's an iterative and often approach to doing the important work. So often, you know, just as we go out and we build something, 
in the old days and we would spend all this time behind the scenes making all these changes and then push something out only to find that it doesn't actually solve the, the right. user's need, we find the same with accessibility. And so we have an opportunity in agile accessibility to say, at that design stage, let's think about putting this in front of people with disabilities and getting feedback, development the same, and delivery at the same way. And so we're constantly iterating just as we are in every other way. If it sounds like agile accessibility doesn't have a definition that's that unique from agile, I would agree it's not. It's it's very much something that we should be just baking into our workflow and in our work that we're so used to doing. We just think about it with a different persona in mind. Someone that maybe doesn't use a computer using the way that we do with a mouse or sometimes with a, even a keyboard, we think about a user who can't see the screen or is interacting with the computer, you know, through an alternate input method like speaking or you know, using eye tracking software. Before we continue, let's take a quick break. If you're like many marketing leaders today, you're inundated with a need to improve the customer experience across an increasing number of channels and touch points, all while ensuring your team is performing well, innovating, and continuously improving. So how do you find the time to determine what's next for you, your team, your brand, and your customers? My company, GK5A, can help. Whether it is advisory services, evaluation of marketing technology platforms and solutions, or digital agencies and implementation partners, or assistance with creating strategic roadmaps and prioritization of efforts, we've done it all and served as an ally to Fortune 1000 brands and industries like financial services, healthcare, consumer electronics, professional services, and more. You can learn more about these services and contact us at www.gk5a. That's www.gk5a.com. Now let's get back to the show. And so the the white paper you recently published, it's called Getting Started with Agile Accessibility. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. It gives five important things to help organizations get started. And you, you kind of touched on on this the, this first one. You know, one of them is to shift focus to prioritize key user flows. So again, instead of trying to tackle everything at once, thinking about key processes for um for, for different types of, of user flows. Can you talk about that a little bit more and you know why, why this is an important component of, of Agile accessibility? When organizations go about testing their, their product, which again is you know their website, their app, their software, for accessibility, there's the status quo way of doing that testing. Uh, that is conducting an exhaustive audit. It takes months to complete. And then the audit is testing every single element on every you know page. We could talk about screen, page, whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. But the idea being, look at every single thing the user will interact with within that experience. And so then the organization requesting that audit is given this report with you know thousands of issues uh, to address. And and no matter how we sort that report, it's still thousands of issues. So the challenge becomes, where do you begin? How do you prioritize? when there's all these issues to address. So at Level Access, we test based in what we're calling key user flows. Uh, so that is the paths that users are taking to complete the important action. So if you are managing an e-commerce site, the user flow would be your checkout process. Can a user on your homepage find an item, 
read the product detail page, add it to their cart, go into the cart and add all through the steps of, of shipping and, and payment all the way to confirmation and, and maybe even returning in that item without experiencing an accessibility barrier. So when we test in this way, we prioritize the path that a user takes. Just as with Agile, we're thinking about a user story, we're doing the same with our testing. So we're prioritizing the user journeys that are most impactful to the business. And because these flows are business impact, it means that they're easier for teams to prioritize the accessibility work. So the Agile auditing is conducted on this really focused part of a digital experience with actionable results that we can deliver in in just a few days. I would note that testing and addressing those accessibility issues in this way uh, mirrors legal requirements. So a lot of times accessibility laws mandate that digital experiences are accessible to people with disabilities, not that organizations fix 100% of the issues 100% of the time. So what happens with a traditional audit is that you say, well, this is a absolute blocking problematic issue. And it's on a page that very few people ever find and that isn't impactful to the user's experience. It's distracting us from the work that really needs to be done on our homepage or in that checkout process. And so uh, along those lines, then, you know, ongoing monitoring. So, you know, we talked about looking at key user flows individually, but, you know, broad, broadly monitoring for accessibility. What are your thoughts there as far as, you know, how, how should brands be doing this? How often should they be looking at it? Like what's, what's the best way to think about measuring effectiveness with, uh, you know, when, when they're monitoring for accessibility? Monitoring becomes essential because the digital experience is dynamic, right? It's constantly changing. So a lot of times, the folks that we are working with don't know about the changes that are being made to their site. So we are working with someone who's a director of, of digital or director of e-commerce, chief marketing officer. And so with hundreds of, of sites and thousands of pages that affect that brand, they don't know what changes are, are being made and what accessibility issues may be created while those changes are happening. Did somebody add content and not add an alternative for an image? Did they do it in such a way that they've communicated information with color alone. Did they use the right colors? So with our platform, organizations are alerted when these new accessibility errors have, have been introduced, when it was introduced, and what team, and then they could go about prioritize fixing it. So that monitoring scan is something that, you know, we generally find that each brand knows what is the speed that makes the most sense for them. Generally, it becomes something that can be done monthly. And I think, too, it's important to think about how important is it to monitor every single page of all of your websites. At a certain point, this becomes really difficult, especially as that site is constantly changing. But if we look at these are the key pages of our site, and that key pages list for some brands may be hundreds of pages long. They may have tens of thousands of SKUs in their database and lots of product detail pages but they're being driven by a database. And so if we can monitor those pages that are of critical importance or that represent a lot of content, then teams can go in and say, we've made a change and we introduced a lot of barriers by mistake. Let's go about addressing that on this one key page. And oh, look, it propagated across these thousands of pages for us very quickly. Yeah, 
Yeah, it makes sense. And so what about, uh, you know, so we talked about doing things in, in retrospect, things are already live, we're optimizing, we're improving them. We talked a little bit about monitoring. What about brand new initiatives? So, you know, there's brand new channels that an organization might be popping up, new websites, new digital experiences that they're creating, apps, all of those kinds of things. What can organizations do better when they have the the opportunity to start from scratch? I was so excited when I heard uh, Yadi Arroyo talking about how Truist is doing this um, in an earlier episode yeah. on, on this show, that it's really about addressing accessibility before the experience is even created in that ideation and, and stage, and certainly in the design stage. So when designers are working from a design system that we've made accessible, there's less likelihood that they're going to pass errors into the development team. And so starting there at that design system that most organizations today have and saying, how do we make sure that all the components in here are accessible? And what changes do we need to think about? Sometimes the hardest part in there is when it comes to brand colors. And we say, well, our brand colors aren't accessible. Everything we do from that point forward, we're always going to have a color contrast problem right. until we address it. Convincing leadership to change colors is, is a challenge, but you know that's one of those pieces that makes accessibility so challenging. It's not that accessibility itself is that hard. It's that it's challenging all these ways that we've been working. Uh, but when we have that accessible design system, then what we're giving developers is, is a gift, right? We're, we're, they're not having to force accessibility into this new design if the designers have factored accessibility in. And you know, so often developers are the first ones we blame when there's an accessibility issue. And what do developers do? They blame the designers. And what do the designers do? They blame the product. And right. ultimately, nobody's then at that point going to be able to address how is this affecting our customer? We start with the customer all throughout that journey. And we say, our customer may not look or act like we do. How do we make this experience work well for them? Then this collaborative approach that we couple with this continuous iteration means that organizations can efficiently and, and consistently produce this rich experience, this one inclusive experience for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, in my consulting work, I, I tend to be more on the technology side, you know, marketing technology and, and CX technology and, and things like that. But I, my work often runs parallel to rebranding efforts or, you know, some of the more creative work. And, you know, I, I work with some, some pretty large organizations and I'm always shocked when they're in some, you know, whether it's a product rebranding or an organizational rebranding. And sure enough, I can tell just right off the bat that the colors are not accessible. And, I'm, you know, at, at one point, recently you know they basically just had to send the colors back to the to the branding company and be like you know look this up you know, this is not this it's not hard to figure this stuff out now there are a lot of you know there's free tools out there there's 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 so many ways to figure this stuff out um that may not have been available you know 10 15 20 years ago but but now so easy i'm i'm just always surprised when we're still running into some of these issues and to your point the designers, the developers, like all of these people then inherit these things that are just from the from the onset, they're going to be a challenge moving forward. 
so often the automated monitoring solutions are really helpful because they can catch really basic trivial issues that are the bellwether that something's wrong here. So color contrast is, is one of the quickest things to address at a design level. Uh, and so when we can quickly identify, hey, this color on this background, it doesn't work, then we can say, well, clearly accessibility was probably not factored into this design work. When it comes to working with digital agencies, it's usually one of the first things that I do when I get a design and they say, I've checked it for accessibility. And so when we can identify those automated issues, yes, it may only test some portion of usability and of accessibility requirements, but they're enough to tell us how are we doing at that level. Then we can dig into the more manual steps that are required in order to really fully assess accessibility. Yeah, yeah, agreed. What do you think, uh, what would you say is one of the bigger benefits you've seen to this agile approach to accessibility versus some more traditional methods? It's really about the shared ownership of accessibility. When all of us are working toward the same goal of accessibility, then it's not something that becomes expensive and time-consuming in a way that is negatively impacting our work or our project. So when each team has the ability to raise their hand and say, hang on, I don't know about how usable this is. Can we think and can we discuss and can we test what this is going to be like? Then it's not the mad rush at the end when we've got all the advertising lined up and we've got all the pieces of how we're going to go to market in place. And now we're saying, oh, we need to delay a month or two because we have accessibility problems. We can say all along, well, we've tested it. We know that this is good. We can always do better, but it's going to be helpful for us on day one. And we know early on, you know what? We haven't accounted for accessibility early enough, and we're going to need to shift these dates around. Gives everybody that warning and everybody that empathy with a user to say, it's not a compliance requirement. It's not somebody telling us we has to do this. It's all of us together saying we get to create an experience that includes everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, um, Corb, thanks so much for joining the show. I've got one last question before we wrap up here. Uh, you know, you've given a lot of great advice already, but you know, what's maybe one piece of advice you'd have for organizations they've listened to this they're interested in adopting adopting this agile accessibility approach where should they start i would always start with training and education you know if teams are expected to incorporate accessibility into their day-to-day -day work they need to understand what accessibility means and that means role specific training that understands responsibilities that are required of them to create these accessible experiences you know, I would add to this that celebrating incremental progress makes a meaningful difference. I once worked with a team where they said, what's one thing we can do to really improve the customer's experience? We know that we've got lots of accessibility issues. What's one thing that lots of people are going to use every day that's going to make a difference? And they said, that's the password reset. We're just going to make it easy for you to reset your password. Now, doing that with a financial institution is even more challenging than you might expect. But the correcting this one accessibility issue on those pages improves this overall experience. And so what they found is that even their generalized customer satisfaction scores increased because almost everybody was forgetting their passwords on a regular basis. And so 
when they made that experience accessible, they also made it more pleasant for everyone. And so that team then had this ability to go out and say to other teams, you know what, accessibility was fun. I got to really dig in, learn something new. I got to hone my craft and it made a real difference. And we made sure that that every user, whether they have a disability or not, can navigate this without barriers. That's really, at the end of the day, why this work on digital accessibility is so important. Yeah, yeah, great, great advice. Well, again, I'd like to thank Corb O'Connor, Director of Accessibility Advocacy at Level Access for joining the show. You can learn more about Corb and Level Access by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.